Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Beer has four ingredients, barley, hops, yeast, and water. Except when they add more things. Today it's usually fruit, marshmallows. I wouldn't be surprised if they just added tacos to the mash. But historically, one of the best additions has been wheat. We're going to delve into that today and see how wheat has changed beer over the years. And the best way to do that is to have a drink. Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany V. Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hi. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is the exact Casey's level enthusiastic. Of pumpedness. Woo. Yeah, that's where we're at. He's dead. He just said woo. <laughs> Not dead yet. I feel happy. That's exactly where I am. Uh, yeah. Uh, why is that, Casey? Why? Why? Why are you uh, mostly dead? Finishing up a just got done with a beer fest today, an all day outdoor beer fest, eighty degrees. So it was definitely a trying time being on the feet. Yeah. Oh, it was outdoor. I thought it was. Oh no! It was all at the in the expo center. Oh, it was in the expo's uh, front yard, basically. Oh my god! Nope. (laughs) Yeah. At least it wasn't as hot as Oktoberfest was. No, no, definitely not that hot because we actually had some cloud cover. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's that's something. That's something as we've learned. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What exactly was going on? Yeah, so um, Pikeville's Hoptoberfest uh, turned into a yearly uh, event now, so that's been kind of a nice, cool cool thing going on. Um, bring a lot of different beers to Pikeville. Uh, they have paired it back quite a bit because the, from my understanding, the cost of beer was outrageous for the past few years, like in the twenty and $30,000 range for one day's beer menu. Yeah, so um, I know they've they've pared back quite a bit, so that it, they did not spend so many thousands of dollars on beer, uh, which has been good. So now they've kind of selected the best of the best, and you don't just get the the standard stuff. Like um, when the comment was made, like Country Boy has their Cougar Bait. Well, everybody's had it, so they don't want that there. They want some of the other stuff that Country Boy has. So um, they definitely bring in the the more kind of random stuff rather than your your standard go-tos mm-hmm. 
I was going to say, I wanted to come to this because it was, I mean, it was a good brewery list on top, like, and the breweries there were bringing good beers. They were bringing show beers. They were, it, it wasn't like a lot of these festivals where it would be, hey, they're going to have, you know, these three beers. And you look at it and you're like, it's the three beers that are in cans all year round. Yeah. Yeah. yeah most of it is, is definitely the, most of the stuff they had there was stuff that it would be very uncommon to get. Um, I mean, there were a few things that are more common, but at the same time, we were we were seeing some good stuff there. Yeah. Um, one from, oh, it was from Bearded Iris, but I hadn't even heard of it before. Um, attention, please. Mm. A double hazy IPA with 100% citra hops. Wow. That was really good. Really good. Especially on that kind of weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was it was good stuff. I I tended to oh uh the the best part of the day was um somebody I was talking to one of the um reps for Goodwood and so we were standing there chatting back and forth about some of the stuff that um that is going on in the beer industry in general and so um somebody came up and said, Hey, do y'all have any place for me to dump this? And they had something in their glass they wanted to dump. They were like, This is horrible. And we we were like, what is it, you know? And they were like, it's some breakfast stout from over there. It was KBS. They wanted to dump <laughs> KBS. <laughs> like, where are we? And that, I mean, that kind of went with our conversation. You know, we were talking about like um, the the three Floyd's beers that everybody used to go all over the place for, and and now that yeah, I was thinking about that just the just recently. Well, I guess partially because you know. Did a three Floyd's thing mm. during our last stream, but oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like yeah, we used to seek that out. Yeah, yeah. So well, you know, you KBS, don't, you really don't the drain. KBS for. on a on a eighty degree. Like I, no, it's the <laughs> no, time not and place thing, you know. If it had been inside the expo center, Maybe. yes, yeah. that would have yeah. hit differently than standing out in, in the sun. That was inside. Yeah, put put that thing in an IV. Put it straight into my veins. Okay. <laughs> it was just the best to see. Not that anybody calls someone's beer bad, but the, just but, to see somebody call a beer that has been traditionally so hard to get. Like, it's like things, saying, yeah. "Oh, this pappy's horrible." Yeah. <laughs> it's it's oh, like they're like they went into like a an art museum and looked. I was like, God. This guy Who's can't this even. Picasso guy. He's like, look at this guy. Can't even like look at these weird lines. That's not what a face looks like. <laughs> Picasso soup my cans? ass. Who makes soup cans in art? <laughs> yeah, that's that's where we're at. Not, just, not, I, not to say like KBS is like art, yeah. I guess, but it's it's good. It's real good. It's it's one of the standards for stouts, I feel like. But at the same time, it's like. Not the right time and place for a stout. First of all, as we as we mm-hmm. learned at Oktoberfest, I used to joke that I'd have a stout any time, but no, there is a there's a <laughs> yeah. time and place. Not when it's so, that hot. <laughs> uh, we were talking pre-show, and I was like, no, this definitely has to come up in the show. So Oktoberfest, you you guys can listen to our episode, talk about it, or you can go back and check that out. Any of the live streams, whatever, they're all over the place. There are different ones everywhere, like. I don't know, there are different streams on Facebook and on Twitch, and I think there's something on, like, TikTok and Instagram or whatever the hell. I don't know. 
Whatever the youths use. Yeah, whatever you, you, you youngins use now. But it was so hot, and I couldn't How find... How hot was it? <laughs> I don't know, about 93. <laughs> but I couldn't find a fest beer to save my life. Sierra Nevada has historically done a fest beer. They call it a fest beer. And so I was like, well, I know where I'm going, and it's a Mertzen now. Like, yeah. everybody in the craft sector, it's just Meritsons. No fest beers. And so that was, like, finally on, like, day three, I gave up. <laughs> and I was just like, well, point me into the direction of an import because yeah. I need some traditional-ass German light lager stuff going on. <laughs> bring me to your finest Pilsner. Yeah, bring me some and Pilsners and Kolsch's, and that's what we did, and it went down exactly as I needed. And I was like... All right. I was like, I guess that's how we're doing Oktoberfest now. I guess I'm old and Fuck things yeah. are just hitting different. I was like, when I'm out in this heat in the sun, I just need Pilsners and Kolsch's, and that's that's what we're doing Look, from now on. I, you can't I'll be out it. in 90-degree weather slamming Meritsons. I'll say this. I remember drinking it, and in my head, I was just hearing, you're simply the best. Duh, <laughs> duh, duh. I mean, cooler than it... all the rest. Maybe, like... Maybe I'm just misremembering because also my memory's garbage, but I feel like this October West was like unreasonably hot. Like I, I don't know if the past. Well, once upon a been... time when it was that hot, we would be in the shade and we would feel better. Mm. Maybe yeah. that's it too. Like it's a, it's the, uh, it's the new location, you know, quote unquote new. Because I mean, but I mean, we haven't really had that long at this location. But this location that has like basically no, no cover from the sun whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, and We've discovered our reprieve. Yeah. When it gets too unbearable, now we're going to say <laughs> F it, and we're just Sam we're going to run room. to the Sam Adams tap room and be like, "I'm not sitting down in the sun anymore. We're going to go sit in the <laughs> air conditioning." It worked out, or the streetcar and just ride around. Yeah, that was fine too. Because well, um, you can drink at the Sam Adams tap room, and it's nothing against. The, I think it's actually a plus for the tap room. Nothing against it, but it's always deserted. <laughs> it's always like a quiet, chill cafe when you come in there. There's like maybe four other people at the corner of the bar, and that's it. Yeah, I feel like it's... there weren't that many people there because of the event. Like, and the, yeah, that's the fact what it that is. There was like a bajillion things going Every, on. Like, if you would be in town drinking, where are you going to be? The world's yeah. largest Oktoberfest, or at the tap room two miles away? Mm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> uh. What's everybody else been up to? Well, I was going to say I thought there was a uh, there was another reason Casey was happy about about today, but nobody said I was happy. Well, <laughs> no, we we did. You said well. there was the best part of your day, and I was like, I'm really? I thought there'd be oh. something else that was. The best part of a day is going to be in like an hour and a half. Well, when you get to sleep. Okay. Yes, exactly. No, um, so we we got Judge's Choice for the day, which was great. So there were 64 beers there today, and so we got top beer with the Oktoberfest. And so that was a good, hey. you know, good thing. Um, you beat yeah. KBS. Well, we definitely beat KBS. <laughs> um, I was told that uh, Country Boys Oktoberfest came in second. And then it was the double New England IPA with third. And then fourth was our s'more stout, actually. Mm. So mm. Uh, that went over really well. We almost kicked that keg. I think it was the only keg that would have been kicked today, but we almost kicked that one. That, that, would have liked makes, okay. that is the only stout I could think of that might make sense in that kind of weather because s'mores. 
and you're just yep. like camping. It all associates, you know. <laughs> yep. We we built two beers in today or two drinks in today that were unlike. Oh, they're the only like single one-off kegs. So we had the s'more stout, and then we have a new. A, you know, I I have been playing with ciders, but I don't like it. So <laughs> we're working on nice. we're working on a um a low calorie cider though. Um, sorry, did I say seltzers or ciders earlier? We've you been working on seltzers. Cider. You've been working on seltzers. Okay. Yeah. So okay. and I don't like that. So we're right. working on a low. Cal- I do like my ciders. Um, we're working on a um. A low calorie, 100 calorie per 12 ounce cider, though, um, that comes in about 5% ABV. It's not back sweetened, but we still flavor it. Um, this one was with apple pie spices. Mm-hmm. So you still get the flavor of cider. It's just very light and crisp, and um, you you still get that low light calorie. Light and crisp, but not flavors I think of with apple pie. Yeah, well, yeah. So just the apples in general, and then like things yeah. like cinnamon and nutmeg and all that right on top of it. But, but yeah, we, it's definitely not an overly sweetened uh, beverage, okay. um, like dry white wine with those spices in it. So um, that's what we're kind of working on with the new new stuff that we tried out today, and so we did it really well actually. So um, we'll see where that goes here in the next little bit. Okay, that's good. How things been for uh, in Casa de Walker? Uh, uh, going. <laughs> That's really <laughs> the best thing can be said. I don't know. Every day's the same. I feel like I'm in Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we uh, we did finally get um, Emmett's birthday party scheduled, mm-hmm. so yeah. we're excited about that. In that, it's something different, and we'll get to see family that we wanted to see. He does. I mean, well, he's like. His priorities in life right now, with him, you know, turning three, he's like, "Is there going to be cake mm-hmm. yes. or donuts?" Done. <laughs> that's that's our priority. His potty training. So we've had we found one of the key things is to be because at first he was like, "Oh, candy!" Like whenever he needs a potty, he's like, "Oh, you want he's candy?" Like, yeah. And now he's like, <laughs> he could give two craps about the candy. Yeah. What do you uh, well, really want? Well, that's, that's, that's the idea. You want him to well to crap. Not, he want not literally. Though, <laughs> he wants. Yeah. Uh, Donuts. The oh little, yeah, the little donuts. Yeah. So that's we start it once or Which twice. Which is my parents' fault. I'm gonna yeah. put this out there right now. <laughs> well, no, they just gave us the box of the little packs of those, and then we were like, "Well, it's what are we gonna use there. them for?" And we're like, "I don't know. Let's use them for a reward because we know he wants them." And <laughs> so now when he, we've got to change it up because he'll pee in the potty and he'll immediately jump up and do the like success fist and he'll go, <laughs> "I peed in the potty." I get a donut. <laughs> I was waiting for him. And he to does like, this like happy dance trot into the, the kitchen, kitchen to, like, to get his donut. donut. And he's just doing the donut dance. I'm, I'm assuming he's doing this whole doing it the whole time. Pants still around his ankles. He would just if you don't get not him up. Wrong. <laughs> With his uh, little story underwear on the on the ground. I'm just I'm just picturing Chris being so proud. He's like, that's a good Huey fist he's given right now. <laughs> I donut yeah like he says it like half angrily half like super pumped <laughs> yeah and then he just like slams the donut and gets sad when he doesn't get another he goes no the donut and we're like no and then he starts screaming at us <laughs> maybe in four to six <laughs> hours <laughs> we try to limit turn it to that one a donut day into poop and then <laughs> yeah we'll try to limit it to one a day so it it becomes distracting him when he uses the potty later so that he doesn't ask about it 
Because <laughs> like right before bed, he'll go to the potty and then Jim will go, I get a donut. And we're like, it's bedtime, dude. You can have it tomorrow. And he's like, <laughs> we're not giving you a donut right when you're going to bed. Daddy ate all the donuts. <laughs> okay. I do have to say, so on, so I've been excited because, um, you know, it's October now, the best month of the year. And, uh, I, I we all know like I'm not into scary shit. I like <laughs> I I am at Disney level spooky. You right. know, I, I Adam's family, Disney. Which I thought that's my Halloween. I thought we were all keyed in there until we are you getting at the Mickey thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's where I'm going. So disclaimer, I hate like to the point that like I almost go blind. Like I can't I can't handle it. The new animation uh, for the new Mickey cartoons, the Mickey and Friends cartoons. Oh yeah, um, it looks Ren and Stimpyish. Oh, they're oh, short. Right, right. And like, they do the gross out. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm like, this is not Mickey Mouse. This is blasphemy, and you should feel bad. So it was an, it was a, it was a bold, bold decision they made going with that he, art style. It, it was I wrong, was, and they should feel bad. I was gonna say, in in your mind, Mickey is a much more classy cartoon than Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Because cause tr- traditionally, most of the uh, cartoons for Mickey that we've seen over the years have been – used to be awesome. – you know, well, because they used to be uh, uh, pre-film feature, like pre- yeah, yeah. shorts before oh, the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and we're used to like the TV stuff like the Roadster thing and the clubhouse yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Four small kids. Yeah. Anyway. The chitlins. So they put out a new special for Halloween. <laughs> but it, And it's with this new – you know, that, that animated thing. That, and it that, is – That style – and <laughs> it is, is downright horrifying. It is I'm saying Goofy is an axe murderer. Close. So imagine chainsaw murderer. That horrible animation on top of a story that basically blends Hansel and Gretel and Sweeney Todd. <laughs> yeah, not already a one to one comparison. <laughs> More or less, but well, she has the sweets thing or whatever. Anyway, so. Basically, Huey, Dewey, and Louie being turds, like, uh, always. And apparently Mickey's nephews, because there's always a niece or nephew yeah, that, that was, don't I was, make sense at all. I was aware Minnie had nieces, and then suddenly they're like, oh, and Mickey has two nephews. And I was like, where the F did these guys come from? Yeah. It's no, they, they're pre-existing. I recall those. Okay, whatever. So the point is, it by the time... So the thing is, Mickey can't tell a scary story. Well, by the end, everyone's scared shitless. And <laughs> Mickey's like, the story ends with... The kids getting turned into pie by this witch, and we're like, like Emmett has this look on his face the entire time watching this, uh, like this is super sus, guys, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like the whole time, and we're just like, like y'all are okay with this? <laughs> like, what is happening? And like by the end, it shows every single character like scared out of their minds, and we're like, yeah, that's accurate. Like, what is going on? This is Mickey. And then we watch like oh all evening Toy Story of Terror on repeat. He just loves it. That's all he wants to watch now. He says huh. Toy Story monster. No, uh, <laughs> he starts saying uh, Jesse. Oh yeah, he's like Jesse finds a way. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, the Toy Story of Terror thing, but it's no. it's when they introduce Combat Carl, and okay. uh, and. The yeah well okay if you haven't seen this Toy Story four then that's not gonna make sense. Nope. Anyway, nope. it's really funny and it's Carl actually, Weathers it holds up pretty well. As, Carl Weathers does as, combat as Carl as an old school GI Joe combat Carl. All right, yeah, I'm I'm down for that actually. <laughs> I just think honestly like the 
Toy Story t- of Terror and uh, the Christmas one with um, the land that toys forgot or something. Something's gonna crap. Oh, like the Toy Story time forgot. Yeah, those two are the best Toy Story shorts, like hands down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we've watched that no less than four times today. And it's a wonderful it's, Toy Story. I feel like it should have been. No. It's a wonderful Toy Story, right? <laughs> no, kind I mean, of. They, sh- they really should have. Kind of. Um, but no, uh, Toy Story of Terror is literally almost a one-to-one telling of Alien <laughs> with the Toy Story characters. Like no joke, it's fantastic. Something bursts like out of down- Slink's chest. Except then, it's also got like the essentially the the character. It is tense. That meta character for like because so Bonnie's toy oh, Mr. from Scream, Mister Pickle Prickle Pants, is telling he's like oh. in a classic horror story. This would happen, and then like you see a character disappear, and you're like, (gasps) like, and someone will begin to lag behind, and they'll pick us off one by one, and then, then they start getting picked off one by one, and yeah, it's it's great actually. So I highly recommend that. But yes, we we've had to watch it a lot. We could recite it to you right now if you wanted to. (laughs) Uh, That's that's fine. Uh, Jesse, remember your training. (laughs) I don't have any training. (laughs) You know we do have. Give it time. I've not cracked open my next beer yet. Say, I'm, crack not. It open. I'm a five percenter right now. <laughs> uh, no, uh, we are doing wheat beer today. So uh, let's uh, kick this off with a little quote as uh, Brew Your Own Magazine has this to say about wheat. The history of brewing is a story of barley. I, I, Chris, I see what you mean. I almost went, the concept of resistance to fire is as old as recorded history. It's just, it's just there. You can't uh, help it. <laughs> the concept of resistance to beer is as old as history itself. Um, no, the hist- uh, sorry, this is, this is pre-show discussion that's, uh, a certain magician who shall remain Brian Brushwood's uh, <laughs> magic act opening is just burned into our brain. Uh, anyway, the history of brewing is a story of barley. Although beer can be brewed from any malted grain, uh, the structure of barley has always, uh, uh, always been like a gift from Providence, the perfect grain for malting, mashing, and brewing. Through the centuries, however, other cereals have been used in conjunction with barley, Frequently for economic reasons. Anyone else in their heads uh, see when he said that? Like suddenly you hear thunder and you see a darkened sky start rolling through. Anyone? No, just me. Okay. Uh, the staple of grain, uh, the sta- uh, staple grain of Europe is wheat, and while its primary function has been the production of bread and pasta, that's doing the Lord's work right there. <laughs> uh, sorry, quick quick interjection there for you. Uh, Wheat has also found its way into the creation of distinctive beers. The Trappists would beg to differ. Uh, hmm. uh, brewers use wheat along with barley because of wheat's soft, crisp flavor, a special quality that works well with the background of additions of berries and other fruits. Beer drinkers seem to love the, quote, natural quality of beers, which often uh, which are often hazy with proteins and offer distinct contrast from the brightly filtered industrial brews. Something about wheat lends itself to a summertime refreshers, whether they're Bavarian Weiss beers, Belgian wheat beers, or American wheat beers. Uh, 
Yeah. And can we PSA at uh, New Belgium to say, hey, putting wheat in your ale to make it hazy doesn't count as making it a New England. Mentier IPA does not does not make it a hazy IPA. Yeah. <laughs> he went to make a point, stopped, said, no, I got to finish this beer first. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, look, I mean, technically... That made it a hazy beer that was also an IPA, but that does not make it correct to style. <laughs> Makes it lazy. Anyway. Look, they sold out shortly afterwards, so. Uh, wheat can uh, simply be categorized into two varieties, white and red, much like wine. Mm. Red, red wheat. <laughs> All right. That was a stretch. Uh, white wheat contributes to a uh, light straw color, while red wheat has an almost imperceptible darker, uh, darker reddish hue. Uh, red wheat is uh, often used in Hefeweizen and other traditional wheat styles due to its distinctive uh, characteristic wheat flavor. Wheat, uh, white wheat, however, uh, may have a character closer to bread uh, and bread dough. Uh, I'm actually kind of I, I can I kind of half can probably picture which ones they're thinking of when they uh, when they mentioned that, though, like when I when I hear like a bready wheat, I'm like I can't think of the name of one, but I know I've had one. I'm like, yeah, I can I can picture that taste. Meanwhile, I'm trying to come that up with a tongue make, twister. That sense makes no sense. Will Wheaton brews beer with Will Wheaton brews beer with white wheat. Mm. <laughs> Not anymore, but yeah. Uh, uh, in the U.S., red wheats are grown uh, throughout the Great Plains states. In the U.K., it's with its damp climate, only red wheats are cultivated. Both white and red wheat are grown on the European continent. As with barley, white wheat goes through a similar uh, malting process to help grow enzymes in the grain that will help convert starch to sugar in the mash. As with most barley malts, either wheat, uh, uh, either wheat malt can be used as part of the base malts, uh, since it can convert. Uh, sorry, either wheat malt can be used uh, as part of the uh, uh, part or all of the base malts in wheat beer, since it can convert its own starches plus those from other grains. Uh, and using a high a high wheat mash, however, uh, may cause issues in the brewing. Barley husk is a crucial element in mashing as it provides a natural filter bed during uh, lottering uh, and runoff of the sweet wort. Uh, since wheat has no such husk, the uh, grist with a high percentage of wheat may require special effort to prevent the mash from getting stuck in the mash tun. Mm. Uh, the gummy nature of wheat can clog the pores of the mash filter. Uh, God, my... My teenage skin knows all about that. <laughs> uh, to prevent this, uh, the brewer has a few tools in their toolbox. Casey, uh, from firsthand experience, is this is this really a problem? Oh heck yeah! <laughs> I was uh, waiting for Casey to go. Oh god, yes, it haunts my dreams. I wake yeah. up in a cold sweat when I brew a wheat beer. There's always troubles. Um, now it depends on how much wheat you use, and if you're up there in high percentages, fifty percent or more, yeah. For sure. Um, you can throw in a little bit of wheat, and it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if you're throwing in a good amount, half of your, your barley or half your Maltus wheat, yeah, it, it's going to get gummy. Um, and for us, 
sorry, real quick. I'm picturing an Irish brewer joke where you make an Irish red with wheat and you call it the troubles. Sorry, continue. <laughs> oh, 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 poor taste. Oh. Oh. We um when we get it clogged with the filter bed gets clogged, we have to actually like reverse the flow and blow liquid back up through the bottom of the mash tub oh and then try to get it to to slower more uh, slowly come through. Other friends of mine in the brewing industry have told me similar issues they had when they were uh, doing a coconut beer and something went wrong. Pumpkin was the worst that we had. <laughs> and they took down and just strings. Went, like they had to just replace parts. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, uh that, that kind of narrows things down. So, oh, why don't you see some certain beers all the time? It's like because it breaks equipment. <laughs> Not worth it. We hate them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not worth the hassle. So uh, first, brewers uh, will add rice hulls. The fibrous uh, exterior layer comes from the uh, whole brown rice. These husks replace the missing husks to act uh, uh, and act as bulk uh, uh, act to bulk up the mash to increase the flow through the grain bed. Uh, brewers who choose to use some barley in their mash uh, in their malt bill may take care to leave the husks on the barley as intact as possible. They may even wet the grain before milling to help minimize the damage to the husks. Uh, creatively, some brewers uh, use whole spent uh, use spent whole hops from a previous batch and layer them in the bottom of the mash to act as a filter medium. That's nice. That's that's a because uh, at that point they're not going to get any flavor from them, but might as well keep using it for the circle of life. <laughs> I was I was going to say, you know, it's like Captain Planet taught us, reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> anyway, the uh, uh, if the brewery desi- uh, is designed with wi- uh, wheat beers in mind, uh, the mash tun may be more shallow and wide uh, to uh, than traditional mash tuns. This will spread the grain over a larger surface and give more ways for the runoff to get through the mash. Uh, there is also a method called uh, decoction or uh, step mashing. These mashes are started at 95 to 99 Fahrenheit range uh, before uh, being raised to the protein rest stage of 113 to 138 Fahrenheit. Uh, the proteinase and uh, peptidase uh, enzymes, collectively known as the uh, protolytic enzymes, work at these temps to break down the sticky proteins in a wheat mash so they don't clog the filter. After a short rest, the mash is then raised to the standard starch conversion temp of 150 uh, uh, Fahrenheit range. This special technique may require additional equipment or lots of work to complete. And all I can think of when I heard short rest the mash is, I was like, man, I've played too much D&D. <laughs> short rest. All right, Second Warlock, wins. get all your spells back. Now get, get back to work. Uh Anyway, whatever method is used by the brewers to help mitigate the stuck sparge, the main effort is to go slow and gentle. Yeah. <laughs> Ease that weed in there. <laughs> just just the tip. Just the husk. Um, just the husk. Uh, no, slow sparge will help prevent uh, compacting the grain bread. Bed. Hate when my, <laughs> or the grain bread. I hate when my grain bed yeah. gets compacted. Man. Also works on an impacted bell. <laughs> Robo rooter. Oh. <laughs> oh. Everyone's down for uh, that Futurama joke. Okay. Oh, 
It, it it's in my head at at least five times a week. Uh, let's not talk about what I eat for that to be a thing that pops in my head a lot. Uh, <laughs> While we have spoken about malted uh, wheat, there are other preparations that can uh, preparations of what can be uh, used in brewing. These kinds of wheats, however, do not contain any enzymes to help the starch conversion, and therefore cannot be used as the only grains in a batch of beer. Keeping with the innuendos, let's get raw. In your window. Let's get raw about it. Let's oh, talk unmalted wheat. Oh, also referred to as. Raw wheat is essential. Raw wheat in it. <laughs> like to raw wheat it. <laughs> God. <laughs> is essential to the wheat beers of Belgium. Raw wheat produces beer less sweet and full-bodied than those made with malted wheat, making an excellent choice for more crisp and refreshing styles. And honestly, I think that probably brings it more to the category of what we're used to. Because most wheat beers that I associate with, it's that crisp and refreshing. I don't know. It could just mm. be me and the wheat beers I'm choosing. Could be. Probably not the one mm. I just poured. <laughs> <laughs> Raw wheat creates uh, special problems in milling because the kernel is extraordinarily hard. For the reason... <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Brittany's even in on these innuendos. <laughs> It's not just me being, you know, 12. <laughs> oh, uh, for for this reason, soft wheats are definitely an advantage. Can we call them flaccid wheats? <laughs> Casey's probably like, I'm tired, you guys. Do whatever you want. Casey's like, look, I put a lot of work into this, and you guys are just turning it into no. bad prepubescent jokes. In fairness, girl. he knows what show this is. It is. It's it's part of the thing. If the proportion of raw wheat is to be very high, it is important not to pulverize all the wheat into powder, but to achieve a good balance of grits and flour. Flaked wheat can be used uh, can be a useful substitute for raw grain. While it retains much of the special character of the raw product, flaked wheat is much easier to handle, primarily because it requires no milling. Like flaked barley, maize, and oats, it can be added directly to any mash. And I guess... Apply directly to the mash. <laughs> flaked wheat, apply directly to the mash. <laughs> I guess on that note, yeah, a lot of the ones I see, uh, I, that's what I'll, I'll find. It'll say uh, flaked, like it'll specifically say it on any label added. The key benefit is it's already... so. You don't have to do this with barley, but you have to do it with the other grains like corn and, and oats and and uh, wheat. You have to gelatinize the starches before you can use them. Ooh. And so that means heating it up to a temperature in like the 190 degree range so that with moisture so that it can it can basically um, think of the difference between like wheat flour and oats how how oats kind of get gummy mm -hmm. and wheat flour just kind of gets pasty yeah um the the flaking process heats them up and lets them basically cook and then after they're cooked they will squish them down to make them like flakes hmm. um what's a, a oatmeal is a flaked yeah. usually like your instant oats they're flaked they're pre um pre-gelatinized 
All right. Anyway, uh, like flaked barley, maize, and oats, it can be added directly to any mash. It is, however, much more expensive than raw wheat. Like raw wheat, it's especially suitable for drier, crisper beers than for Bavarian-style vice beers. All right. Torrified oh, wheat. It's just torrified. See, <laughs> when we were talking dick jokes, I looked down and saw horrified, and I thought I said, uh, like, Turgid? Turgid. Oh. <laughs> and I was just like, Jesus, what about wheat is so phallic? I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Torrified wheat is a heat-treated and pre-gelatinized unmalted brew. Heat-treated and pre-gelatinized unmalted brewer's wheat that can be used as a general grain or adjunct in the mash and can replace unmalted yeah, can. wheat. The process helps. Sorry, I'm just going to. The process helps. Sorry, I'm just trying to add weird, weird interjections of, <laughs> yeah, I can. See what happens. Helps break Sorry, the cellular structure, allowing easier hydration and breakdown by enzymes. It increases the beer's body and head retention. <clears throat> yeah, I can. <laughs> I was going to say, we're just going to leave that one there. <laughs> just pause. <laughs> as well as adding a very slight toasted flavor. Torrified wheat is traditionally found in British beers. That makes sense for the toasted. Hmm. So we don't use we don't see a whole lot of torrified wheat in like normal everyday foods. But let's let's take the same um, oats example. So if quick oats are flaked, then torrified oats would be something very similar to like sugar smacks. How they're popped up and, and puffed, basically. Smack, smack, smack. I just... See, I thought sugar smacks were just child crack. <laughs> I mean, get the smack. Well, uh, <laughs> if we're going down that road, let's get into caramel or crystal wheat. The the hard stuff, that oh. crystal wheat. <laughs> Talking about crack. <laughs> yeah. This is wheat that you'll rip out. Uh, you'll rip out copper out of the wall for. <laughs> It's processed in much the same way as caramel barley malt, the traditional ingredient that gives beer amber and caramel sweetness. The wheat... Sorry, I'm picturing now a uh, a Breaking Bad scenario, (laughs) but they're brewers. (laughs) The wheat version... Already optioned to Netflix. (laughs) The wheat version is sweet and smooth with subtle caramel and dark toast flavors and a clean finish that doesn't linger. This wheat malt is recommended for all beer styles that use caramel malts, such as IPAs, pale ales, wheat beers, Bach beers. I really feel like this has to come into play with Bach beers. And session beers, where a touch of subtle caramel plus smooth dark toast flavor is beneficial. Because listen, that last sentence, and it's like, no, that it, you just described Bach. I feel like the last two types of wheat, uh, if you were at risk for having a, uh... Having a stroke, do not enjoy these beers. Ah, oh, I smell toast. Oh, <laughs> you can use uh, you can use it in any beer style to add sweetness and develop smooth or complex flavors. This malt also works great for improved body, foam, and foam retention, flavor, and color. See, that's what I tell my doctor when I drink. Just improve body. This, trying to, this wheat's here to improve my just body. trying to improve your foam and your foam retention. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, he's, he's a little confused by that. <laughs> Fair enough. 
my phone retention is strong. Just ask anyone who walks up to the urinal after me. Oh. Midnight wheat. They smell asparagus. <laughs> you don't want to be in a bathroom after I've had asparagus. My asparagus pee is just oof. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever the the gene is that allows you to smell asparagus in urine, I've got it so, big time. <laughs> in, at the at the risk of of being harsh, or I don't know. Um, and speaking of sugar smacks, that's another one that does it for me. Oh, I definitely have a, a an aroma after eating sugar smacks. Really? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I don't know what it is about that one, but. Could be the style of wheat. I, <laughs> I haven't had that stuff in a thousand years. Like you're getting that. You're, not 12. you're getting that hard. You're getting that hard crystal wheat. That's <laughs> yeah. All right. So midnight <sighs> anyway, wheat, midnight. roasted wheat malt uh, contributes the same dark color characteristics as black malt, but without the bitter, astringent, dry flavors or aftertaste. Finishes exceptionally clean and is the smoothest source of black color of any malt. It is excellent in black IPAs, Schwartz beers, other dark ales, and lagers, and for color adjustment in any beer style. This is the brewer's secret weapon right here. Midnight wheat. Yep. So if you if something came out just a little lighter than you wanted, you're like, we're going <laughs> to just re revamp that, that... the recipe with some midnight wheat. Yeah, or if you want your beer to taste, like just to have a dark color but not taste roasty toasty, mm -hmm. use midnight wheat because it's not going to add those roasted flavors. It's just going to add color. I had a Schwartz beer that someone had made uh, that some big company had made some years back, and I remember tasting it like being very roasty toasty, and I remember looking down and going, "Huh, I was not expecting this." <laughs> All right. It wasn't like terrible, but I was like, I was expecting a different, entirely different kind of experience just out of, you know. For some reason, so like, I totally understand the, the name given what it does, the midnight wheat thing. But I'm just getting like, maybe it's just because it's Halloween season, I guess. I'm getting the deadly nightshade <laughs> in my head instead. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the midnight wheat. Like it's a... We had this in two note, no, uh, newt tells. <laughs> And then I'm also getting the thing from Two Nutellas. The, the the TV show of the Worst Witch when she's like, "Well, I picked it at 12:01 instead of midnight. Is that okay?" <laughs> yeah. Since wheat can contribute to head retention, it is used in many styles in small amounts. These styles may be Kolsch, Alt Beer, English Bitters, British Golden Ales, Scottish Ales, American Blonde, and Saison, as well as others. The New England IPA could be considered a quasi-wheat beer since many brewers will use large doses of wheat in the grist to increase haziness and mouthfeel, which I think is blasphemy. <laughs> I get that it's done. Just a lot of the a Just, lot of the culprits who are really bad for doing that, it really comes out in the mouthfeel. Doesn't make it right. <laughs> it just is. It it may be considered acceptable. By judging communities, <laughs> but they're wrong. But certain <laughs> guilty brewers who do that, it it just they, it comes across when I feel like I've got a mouthful of flour. 
<laughs> I was gonna say like, look, what they did was bad, and they should feel bad. All right, there are many beers, however, that use higher percentages of wheat in their malt bill. Uh, some more than fifty percent wheat. Historically, four regions are known for their wheat beers: Germany, Poland, Belgium, and the U.S. Bum bum bum. <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive. Let's dive into these bad boys. Let's get into the Germans. You've got Weissbier. Weissbier is pale, refreshing German wheat beer with high carbonation, dry finish, fluffy mouthfeel, and a distinctive banana and clove yeast character. Mwah, which is what I think of, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, these are refreshing, fast-maturing beers that are lightly hopped and show a unique banana clove yeast character. I always thought when I came to these with that flavor, it is like the yeast, right? Like that is just a big time the yeast mm-hmm. is showing. Oh, yeah, almost completely. Okay, that's what I thought, and that's why I liked them. I was like, it's just yeasty. Uh, these beers often don't age well and are best enjoyed while young and fresh. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just gonna be L- let that one marinate for about five <laughs> seconds, and it hit. Uh, the version Mit Hefe is served with suspended yeast. Uh, the Cristal version of <laughs> <laughs> version is filtered for excellent clarity and makes a beer which is generally fruitier and less phenolic than that of the Weiss beer, Mit Hefe. These beers may be known as a Hefeweizen, particularly in the United States. And I know the people are probably mad at the way I'm saying Hefe, at the way I'm saying Hefeweizen, but whatever. That's how I've always said it. That's how I will continue to say it. As opposed to what? Like, what's the... Um, I can't even get my mind around it. But the saying hefe is apparently not... You're supposed to pronounce it... You're hefe. supposed to pronounce it Jim. Like hefe or something? People are in a tizzy that we're pronouncing it wrong. They're like, you don't you don't know how to speak the language, so you're saying it wrong. I mean, and I'm like, whatever. I'm going to say hefeweizen, and if you don't like it, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, we do not how to speak the language. We're sorry for saying it wrong. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Have you? If anyone who's mad about it, I beg you, please go listen to any Scotch episode, and you'll you'll put a gun <laughs> to your head. <laughs> Literally anything that's in. Actually, no. Go listen to any of the French wine episodes. Oh, those are bad too. Just yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, While Bavaria has a wheat beer tradition dating back hundreds of years, brewing wheat beer used to be a monopoly reserved for Bavarian royalty. Did not know that. Modern Weiss beer uh, dates from 1872 when Schneider began production. However, pale Weiss beer only became popular since the 1960s. It is quite popular today, particularly in southern Germany. The Schneider Weiss is still, I believe, uh, one of the top wheat beers that's out there i want to see more i don't know more styles like that just these things i don't know (laughs) i just love give me some dates and some facts about a beer while i'm drinking it and i'm gonna love it (laughs) anyway uh if this show has taught us anything dunkel's weiss beer uh dunkel's weiss beer is moderately dark german wheat beer with a distinctive banana and clove yeast character Supported by a toasted bread or caramel malt flavor. So basically you're saying, here's some liquid banana bread. Oh, no. Mm, yeah. I, haven't had, I haven't had a Dunkelweiss in a long You want one long now, time. I don't really you? haven't had one since. I really do. 
when was the last time we were at Hofbrau? I was going to say Hofbrau is <laughs> the only place over well, there. That seems to be the place, though, to get something like that. So they're, they've got a Dunkel that's on all the time, but the Dunkel Vice is different. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's true. So they do have one. Uh, I've had the Dunkel Vice there, and I remember loving it. I'm sure it's probably one of their one-off yearly, one-month-a-year beers. Yeah, it's one of their monthly keg taps. All right, uh, highly carbonated and refreshing with a creamy, fluffy texture and light finish that encourages drinking. I mean, yeah. The presence of Munich and or Vienna-type barley malts gives this style a deep, rich barley malt character not found in a Weiss beer, often known as a Dunkelweizen, uh, particularly in the United States. Old-fashioned Bavarian wheat beer was often dark, as were most beers of the day. Pell Weiss beers started to become more popular in the 1960s, but but traditional dark wheat beer remained somewhat of an old person's drink. Well, I've been old since I was 12, so that seems he's an old soul. <laughs> yelling at yelling at kids to get off my lawn. Hey, that's that's better than me here in our apartment. I'm hanging out the window, wanting to yell at the kids to get out of our parking lot. <laughs> Get the hose on you. You don't live in this building. Get out of the parking lot. You're going <laughs> to scratch the cars. <laughs> part old man, part Gladys Kravitz. Ah, uh, okay. I know everything that Abner, happens. In, I know everything that happens in this alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, next up on the list, we have Weizenbach, uh, which is a strong, malty, fruity, wheat-based ale combining the best malt and yeast flavors of a pale or dark vice beer with the multi-rich flavor, strength, and body of a Dunkelsbach or Doppelbach. Uh, that's fine. A vice beer brewed to Bach or Doppelbach strength. That's fun to say. Uh, Schneider also produces an Eisbach version. Pale and dark versions exist, although dark are more common. Pale versions have less rich malt complexity and often more hops, as with Doppelbox. Lightly oxidized uh, Maillard. Maillard products can produce some rich, intense flavors and aromas that are often seen in aged, imported commercial products. Fresher versions will not have this character. Well-aged examples might also take on a slight sherry-like complexity. Hmm. Mm. That sounds fine, too. Uh, next up, I think the one we're super familiar with uh, after coming out of summer, <laughs> Berliner Weiss, because <laughs> they were everywhere. Uh, the, the Berliner Weiss is a very pale, refreshing, low-alcohol German wheat beer with a clean lactic sourness and a very high carbonation yeah. level. A light bread yeah. <laughs> dough malt flavor supports the sourness, which shouldn't seem artificial. Any Brettanomyces funk is restrained. Um, which should just be a strat. <laughs> I was gonna say the Brett, the Brett's in a straight jacket, just say, "You're not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me." Uh, in Germany, it's classified as a shank beer? Question mark. <laughs> I like... thought that. I thought that it said shank beer. <laughs> I mean, and, and like, I just gay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, bring back the nineties. Like nothing. Oh. Nothing is making that word sound good. Um, it's denoting a small <laughs> beer of low alcohol, traditionally in the three to four percent range. No, yeah, it's it still it's a skank beer. Skank beer. 
<laughs> oh, dear. It's, a, it's a still reserve. I'm in high school again. Actually, no, that's not even <laughs> high school. Uh, often served with the addition of a shot of sugar syrups flavored with raspberry, uh, Woodruff, Kimber, or yeah, that's all you. Um, I'm, I'm, skank I'm not beer. even going there. It, it's just holding true to skank beer. <laughs> like it's just yeah, or caraway schnapps. Car- that shouldn't exist. Um, to the counter, sub- uh, so to counter the substantial sourness. Okay, that's fair then. Uh, has been described by some as the most purely refreshing beer in the world. Really? Has it? <laughs> um, a regional specialty of Berlin, referred to by Napoleon's troops in 1809 as, quote, the Champagne of the North, due to its lively and I, elegant character. I feel like they were saying that because they had been marching for a long time <laughs> and just went, just like, oh. hey, we found something alcoholic. Yeah. Now. Drink all of it. Or it was on their way back from Russia. Mm. The few that survived. <laughs> going, oh, we're alive and this has alcohol. It's before Russia. Continue oh. with the episode. Now I'll interject randomly with, with Napoleon I was just facts. thinking of t- not the time. I wasn't thinking year. I was just trying to. Okay. Uh, at one point, it was smoked. And there used to be Merzen strength version. Interesting. Increasingly rare in Germany, but American craft breweries now regularly produce the style, as we know. Napoleon <laughs> marched on Russia in uh, uh, 1812. Ah. Sorry. I know nothing about this. Um, Gosa, another uh, popular... I don't know. Actually, I'm, I'm going to say popular, but like honestly, there's only the one Gosa that I like regularly go to when it is available. That's the... <laughs> And it involves pickles. Oh, God, no. That's not me. That's me. Which is weird, because I love pickles, but I don't want to drink them. Um, <laughs> oh, I used to drink pickle juice. Well, it's supposed to be good for you, but that's not the point. So, Urban Artifacts Pickle Gosa, was, just for some reason. The, the one that I'm thinking of is the uh, the shade. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, okay. Blackberry. Because I was going to say, because uh, pickle juice is, in fact, not good for me. It's the opposite of good for me. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Acid, acid and salt. Yeah, that's fair. I thought uh, uh, sequench was... Sequench isn't considered yeah. a gosa. It oh. should be, but it's not. That's because I thought it was, too. Yeah. There was a... The, the... Oh, no, never mind. You said shade. Never mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shade. That's what... Anyway, so Gosa is a minor style associated with uh, Leipzig, but originating in the Middle Ages in the town of Goslar on the Gosa River. Uh, well, there we go. Uh, documented to have... Uh, originating in the town of Ryan Gosling. <laughs> you know what? At least you went there, because I was like, it hit my head, but I was like, I'm not going to go there. Uh, documented to have been in Leipzig by 1740. Leipzig was said to have 80 Gosa houses in 1900. Houses. Uh, production declined significantly after World War II and ceased entirely in 1966. Modern production was revived in the 80s, but the beer is not widely available. Um, I feel like they <laughs> haven't visited a craft brewery in the U.S. then. <laughs> I don't know a single one who doesn't do a ghost. I think traditionally, I think traditionally in Germany at yeah, least. Yeah. Just like, it's eh. not, yeah. Uh, this style is a highly carbonated tart and fruity wheat ale with a restrained coriander and salt character and low bitterness. That's going to be my today I learned from this episode. Ghost is a weed ale. Huh. Um, 
I, I learned earlier today when I was shopping for weed ale and was consulting the episode to go, what can I pick? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, which that just made me think shade was out the last time Oktoberfest was around and it's not out right now at all. So, hmm. Okay. Uh, very refreshing with bright flavors and high attenuation. The recipe contains pilsner and wheat malts, restrained use of salt and coriander seed, as well as lactobacillus bacteria. The coriander should have a fresh, citrusy, bright note and not be vegetal, celery-like, or ham-like. Nothing should be ham-like to end you drink it. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a general rule. I have a... I have a simple rule in life. Don't drink ham. Um, uh, you've never been to a honey-baked ham. Okay, fair. I don't want to drink the ham. <laughs> I want to drink what comes off of it. Yeah. That stuff's pure sugar. Uh, the salt should have a sea salt or fresh salt character, not a metallic iodine note. Good to... Uh, see, that's how, you get, that's how you get goiters, not having that iodine salt. <laughs> It's true. Uh, served in traditional <laughs> cylindrical glasses, historical versions may have been more sour than modern examples due to spontaneous fermentation yeah. and may be blended with syrups, as in done, as is done with the Berliner Weiss, or flavored with that word, um, whatever it is. Uh, sorry, I'm just, I read it and I'm like, that's not correct, but I get Kumail Nanjiani in my head and I'm like, that's not, yeah. Um, a, li- a liqueur made with caraway, cumin, and fennel. Ugh, fennel. Um, mm. Modern examples are inoculated with lactobac- lactobacillus. Inoculated. Um, and are more balanced and generally don't need sweetening. Sorry, inoculated Casey, in a drink often- just sounds not... <laughs> Casey, how often, how often do you give your beers vaccines? Like, that's... <laughs> Inoculation is just a strange uh, word to use, I feel like, in this context. No, that's, it is the correct use. In silence. It's just weird. It is, but it's just it. the the, the, the statement of inoculation in my brain just immediately goes, all right, time for your vaccine shot. Yeah, your, your lactobacillus. We just kill off everything that's in it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we just boil it to death. Forget the vaccine. <laughs> so I'm on this next word. <laughs> Lichtenheiner? <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. Uh, that's a word. So, a sour, smoked, lower gravity historical German wheat beer. All right, it's checking all the boxes for me. I yeah, I, really. I heard smoked and I'm like, yes. I heard smoked and then I just I reread say, I heard... that and I said and I saw sour and I said, nope, we're gonna uncheck those boxes and we're gonna move away from this one because <laughs> sour and smoked and I'm like, nope, no, thank you. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, that's why I was like, Chris, are you sure about this? Taking back those checks. I'm on the fence about it. Nope. Um, Burned the fence down. <laughs> Salted uh, the earth so no more fences could grow. Salted the earth with the ghost of salt. Uh, complex yet refreshing character due to high attenuation and carbonation, along with low bitterness and moderate sourness. The smoke character is stronger than the bready notes, and the smoke has a dry character like the remnants of an old fire, not a greasy smoke. What the, what the, what's a greasy smoke? That's what I need to know. You, you've, you've not cooked a lot with, uh, you've not had an oil fire catch in your kitchen, <laughs> have you? I have not, to be fair. <laughs> oh, I had a, uh, I had a coworker that had a grease fire in his kitchen three weeks oh. ago. Ooh. Man, that kitchen is gone. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I understand uh, the, the, I, the I, issues I, with it, but I, I, I've not experienced it myself. I've worked in a lot of food, and uh, no, I know that smell. <laughs> 
Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Uh, served young, the characteristic smoke and sour is an unusual combination that is not for everyone, <laughs> obviously. Originating in Lichtenhain in oh, Thuringen, central Germany. Thuringen. Uh, the height of popularity was towards the end of the 1800s. Traditionally made with smoked barley malt and 30 to 50% wheat malt, then fermented with lactobacillus and ale yeast. This style can be compared to a smoked Berliner Weiss. I, I'm still intrigued. The end of smoked. the 1800s. <laughs> My brain is having trouble. I'm just hearing like this smoked Berliner I'm hearing Weiss. the end of the 18. I'm, I'm thinking of the end of the 1800s. I'm like, yeah, Napo- you know, <laughs> like, well, you're post Napoleon, I guess, but hmm. things are about to get real rough in the area where you're going to be making this. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm always intrigued by the idea of the smoked thing, but like, yeah, smoked sour is definitely like messing with my brain. Mm. Oh, Brittany, I'm sorry for what comes next. I didn't do this to you. I just wanted you to know my condolences. <laughs> yeah, these are words. So You're moving into the Polish. We're in Polish land, and um, I'm sorry to anyone in <laughs> to any Poles, e- anyone in Eastern Europe. I think. Uh, whew, uh, Pivo Grodziska. Yeah. Nice. No idea. I mean, I'm going with the little like phonetic thing there, but still. Uh, so known as Grazer. Okay, I can do that. In German-speaking countries, and in some beer literature, this beer is a low-gravity, high sessionable, highly sessionable, highly carbonated, light-bodied ale combining an oak-smoked flavor with a clean hop bitterness, served in tall conical glassware. To accommodate the vigorous foam head. Yeah. Uh, but also, this sounds good. I, I heard oak smoked, and I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> vigorous foam head. Yes. Um, See, I I heard it in the, the Weird Al parody of Zoot Suit Riot of Grapefruit Diet, <laughs> and so I heard oak smoked flavor. Flavor! I mean, whatever it's going to take. See, I'm just, uh, that needs to be a shirt now. The We just need to have the quotes, and it says vigorous foam head. <laughs> um, I just got something worse in my head, and I'm just, okay. Uh, developed as a unique style centuries ago in the Polish city of Grodzisk, uh, this sti- style's fame and popularity rapidly extended to other parts of the world in the late 19th and earliest 20th. Tw- early 20th century regular commercial production declined after world war ii and ceased altogether in the early mid 1990s actually took a while uh the grain bill usually consists entirely of oak smoked wheat malt which has a different and less intense smoke character than german beechwood smoked barley malt has a drier crisper leaner i almost said cleaner leaner quality without a bacon ham smoke flavor yeah. oh <laughs> uh bob your that's your go-to so there with, isn't it without that that flavor important uh saws type <laughs> hops and a relatively clean and attenuative continental ale yeast are traditional german hefeweizen yeast or other strains with a phenol or strong ester character are inappropriate very inappropriate. Yeah. Okay. Um, You're this inappropriate. Sounds really good to me. The description here. So. Yeah, so before before I hit the search, 
any takers, does off color brew this? <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, um, God. I don't know who would make the malt. Mm. If they do, it's small because like there's no mass producer of that. I don't know if you've looked at what off color makes. <laughs> uh, oh no, I'm saying there's no mass producer of uh, of oak smoked malt. They do that not. That sounds very like niche. it would be something. Or Untapped yeah. does not have a record of them ever brewing this. I feel like we need to it's contact them and niche-y. say, "Hey, off color, your your catalog of beer is missing." I mean, I <laughs> think they're still doing quite well with the sati. So you can't. You're the only producer of a sati in <laughs> in America, probably in North America, and I need more sati. So, I mm. I right. moving on to Belgium. So let's start off with the Belgian wit beer. Uh, it's a refreshing, elegant, tasty, moderate stripped wheat beer, um, or wheat based ale. It's a 400 year old Belgian beer that died out in the 1950s and was later revived by Pierre Sely, or Sely, maybe, uh, at Hogarden. The style has grown steadily in popularity over time, both with modern crappers and mass market producers who see it as somewhat fruitier uh, and a summer seasonal style beer. About 50% unmalted wheat and 50% pale barley malt, something like a Pilsner malt usually, uh, constitute the grist. Uh, Spices of freshly ground coriander and curacao are sometimes used, uh, as well as sweet orange peel that complements the sweet aroma and are quite characteristic of the style. I Uh, don't know if they actually use any – I don't know if they – I've never thought of curacao with this. I've not seen a blue wit beer. (laughs) That would be blue curacao. Sorry. Um, other spices like chamomile, cumin, cinnamon, or grains of paradise may be used for complexity but are much less prominent. Uh, L yeast prone to the production of mild spicy flavors is very characteristic. In some instances, a very limited lactic fermentation or the actual addition of lactic acid is done. Um, the presence, character, and degree of spicing and lactic sourness will vary with this style. Overly spiced and or sour beers are not good examples of this style. So it shouldn't be too spicy. It shouldn't be sa- super sour. It, this should just be uh, a wheat beer that has a little bit of tartness to it. Um, the beer tends to be fragile and does not age well. So younger, fresher, properly handled examples are more desirable. Most examples. Most examples seem to be approximately five ABV. Hmm. Lambique. The Lambique. The Lambique thought, is a fairly I sour. I thought it was appropriate for you to deal with the Lambics because that's a that's a <laughs> sensitive subject anywhere outside oh, of the nice. Lambic region. <laughs> uh, so you want me to get the hate mail? Yep. I see how it is. Uh, it's a fairly sour, often moderately funky, wild Belgian wheat beer with sourness taking the place of hop bitterness in the balance. Traditionally spontaneously fermented in the Brussels area and served uncarbonated, the refreshing acidity makes this a very pleasant cafe drink. Uh, straight lambics are single well, batch. Cafes will give me alcohol. Oh, yes. That's, that is Belgium right there. <laughs> you see cafe, that, it does not mean yeah, have coffee. a coffee. I mean, like <laughs> Belgium, where Germany and France meet, where your cafes give you beer. You got the cafe from France, 
and the Germans <laughs> brought the beer it. to it. And we stocked <laughs> it with beer to make the Germans happy. Yep. Uh, straight lambics are single batched. Um, they are unblended, uh, and since they are unblended, the straight lambic is often uh, a true product of the house character of the brewery, and uh, will be much more variable than a guise. Uh, they're generally served young, about six months old, and on tap as cheap, easy drinking beers without any filling carbonation. Young versions tend to be the one-dimensionally sour type of beers since a complex Brett character often takes upwards of a year to develop. Uh, an enteric character, so think um, think like rotten gastric juices. Mm. Um, oh, God. Would be uh, often indicative of a lambic that is too young. Um a noticeable vinegary or cidery character is considered to be a fault by Belgian brewers since the wild yeast and bacteria will ferment all the sugars. They are typically bottled only when they have completely fermented. Spontaneously fermented wild ales from the area in and around Brussels stem from a farmhouse brewing tradition several centuries old. The number of producers is constantly dwindling. Uh, in the Lambique, 30 to 40 percent of it is made up of unmalted wheat. Uh, then you have Pilsner malt and three-year-old aged hops, which are used. So, um, another, the aged hops. another big today I learned, Lambics are wheat beers. <laughs> like, that's mm. in my mind. I don't it's Things I never really considered. Yeah. Um, the They use the three-year-old aged hops for um, more of their preservative effect than the bitterness. Uh, and it makes actual bitterness levels difficulty or difficult to estimate since, you know, hops lose bitterness over time. Uh, traditionally, these beers are spontaneously fermented with naturally occurring yeasts and bacteria in predominantly oaken barrels. Uh, these barrels are used, though, when they're very neutral, um, so they don't give any oak character, uh, very little, if any at all. Um, you don't want to expect a fresh or forward oak character. It's just very neutral. Uh, craft brewed versions are more typically made with pure cultures of yeast, including Saccharomyces, Britannomyces, Pediococcus, and Lactobacillus, in an attempt to recreate the effects of the dominant microbiota in Brussels and the surrounding countryside of the Sien River Valley. Cultures taken from bottles are sometimes used, but there's no simple way of knowing what uh, organisms in that bottle are still viable since, you know, different things die at different times, different concentrations of, of acid and, and sugar and alcohol. And, Ride you know. your red bicycle as quickly as you can out of that area and onto, <laughs> into the airport to get it back for culture. Yeah. yeah. Just, or, or just go and collect a sample out of the air. And see what you get, because that's that's I mean that's pretty much what they're doing there. They're opening um, the shutters in a an upper room, and the little dust particles that float by in the wind are what make the beer um, work. Still picturing a butterfly net trying to catch them. That's Urban Artifact, ah. where they've now devoted like a decade of time running around Cincinnati, and then they come back and they're like, "Look, most of everything we can find isn't suitable to brew with." No. No, <laughs> we all like to to have this sort of romantic idea of oh, there's some great yeast. No, there's no great yeast. You're an industrial complex. There's there's no great yeast in the air tonight. Oh no. No, that's. I will say. Um, I don't know if this story has made it to Casey yet. I've I've, I've pimped it on our show before. Uh, go listen to the missing link episode. Uh, how do they spell it? It's like L N C K E because it was the yeah. Link Brewery. 
anyway, um, someone renovating a building found an old abandoned beer cellar from the 1800s in Cincinnati, and it had a wooden vat from the brewery still down in the oh. cellar. An urban artifact was allowed to get at it, and they were able to harvest yeast cultures from it. And so they've been brewing a beer with the yeast that they were able to get from it and propagate. And uh, they've even got the yeast available to anyone who wants it to brew with. And it's like incredible. Cool. <laughs> I just love the story. So though. next up. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up is the geese. G-U-E-U-Z-E. Uh, uh, it's a traditionally produced uh, beer made by mixing one two and three-year-old lambic so the lambic young version contains fermentable sugars while the old versions have that characteristic wild taste um from from having those those quite crazy wild bacteria and and yeast that develop over time Uh, a complex and pleasantly sour but balanced wild belgian wheat beer uh, that is highly carbonated and very refreshing Uh, The spontaneous fermentation character can provide a very interesting complexity with a wide range of wild barnyard, horse blanket, or leather characteristics intermingling with citrusy, fruity flavors and acidity. More complex and carbonated than alambic. Uh, The sourness isn't necessarily higher, but it tends to have a more well-developed wild character. Uh, a noticeably vinegary or cidery character is considered a fault by Belgian brewers, and a good goose is the most pun is is not the most pungent, but possesses a full and tantalizing bouquet of sharp aromas and soft velvety flavors. So there should be layers to it. Uh, a lambic is served uncarbonated, while the goose is often served effervescent, um, mainly because you're adding that young portion of the the wort or young beer that still has sugar in it to the old beers and then it's recarbonating basically inside your container um usually a bottle products made oud or vile or vil uh are considered most traditional um so you, you would have an oud goose um and so Spontaneously fermented wild, el- wild elves in the area in and around Brussels uh, stem from a farmhouse brewing and blending tradition several centuries old. The number of producers is constantly dwindling, however, and some producers are untraditionally sweetening their products post-fermentation to make them more palatable to wider audiences. Lindemans. These guidelines describe the traditional dry product. So I have to – I had to go immediately look um... – on, because beer advocate always has those those massive lists of like, here's everybody who makes everything. Uh, <laughs> the Lost Abbey has one called Duck Duck Goose, <laughs> and I'm like, they won, <laughs> like they just won. <laughs> I want to try that. Like just because I was like, I- yeah, just good job. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope they're two lambics that are two of the three lambics that they use to blend it are called duck. Duck. I, ha- I mean, duck, duck. If goose. not, then something's wrong, you know. Also, another <laughs> one on here is one that's here, like a Cincinnati brewery. And I'm like, what? Which is that one? So, um, hmm. yeah. Who is it? Interesting. Spill uh, the beans. Rivertown. Interesting. That's got to be from Old Rivertown, who is now. You know, he he packed up shop and now 
uh, does the wooden cask. Ah, uh, gotcha. basically anything oh. good that Rivertown ever did came mm. came from what is now a wooden cask. Wooden cask is pretty good. And they're more than pretty good. Yeah, I know. Just <laughs> try to undersell so I can still get it. Oh, yeah, I hear that Pappy's all right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. It's okay. All right, to moving knock on. It down a few dollars. <laughs> as as Eddie Murphy has, we're going to move in to America. <laughs> Thank you. Coming to America. Yeah, we're going to move into America. You know, that's coming to America if you're already here. But then we're going to move. <laughs> or into if we're America. just trying not to get sued by Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's pretty litigious. Uh, <laughs> first off, we we come to the American wheat. Uh, the American wheat is a refreshing wheat beer that can display more hop character and less yeast character than your European cousins. Um, a clean fermentation character allows bready, doughy, and grainy wheat flavors to be complemented by hop flavor and bitterness rather than yeast qualities. Uh, clean American ale or log yeast differentiate this style from their European uh, versions. Large portions of wheat malt, often 30 to 50 percent, as well as American, German, or New World hops are typical. Different variations exist from easy-drinking, fairly sweet beers to dry, aggressively hopped beers with stronger wheat flavor. This is an American craft beer adaptation of the German Weissbier style, and it uses a cleaner yeast with more hops. Um, it was first wildly popularized by Widmer in the mid-1980s. The White IPA. Uh, this is a craft beer interpretation of American IPA crossed with a wit beer. So the beer is fruity, spicy, and refreshing, um, kind of a version of an American IPA, but with a lighter color, less body, and featuring either distinctive yeast and or spice additions typical of the Belgian wit beer. Um, so these beers typically contain pale and wheat malts, uh, Belgian yeast, and citrusy American-type hops, American craft brewers have developed the style as a late winter spring seasonal and appeal to the wit and IPA drinkers alike. Common examples of this would include like Deschutes Chainbreaker IPA and New Belgium's Accumulation. But this style, however, is not the New England IPA. So um, white IPA, I feel like had like a flash in the pan moment where it was a huge thing with craft brewers. Yeah. Because I remember it was just a few years ago when everybody, there was like a, there was a summer, like a late summer, where everyone had a white IPA. And now it just, like yeah. that, like a year later, it was all gone and you can't find them anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my favorite of the night, the wheat wine. Mm, yeah. Wheat, wheat wine. The wheat wine is um, a richly textured and high alcohol sipping beer with a significant grainy, bready flavor and sleek body. The emphasis is first on the bready, weedy flavors with interesting complexity from the malt, hops, fruity yeast character, and alcoholic complexity. Dark malts should be used with restraint, and much of the color arises from uh, sorry, as much of the color arises from a lengthy boil. Uh, the style may be oak aged, but that isn't necessarily required. Uh, a relevant recent American, color, by the way, Casey comes from a lengthy boil as well. It does. You can tell you haven't been boiled recently. 
Right. That's all, folks. A relatively recent American craft beer style that was first brewed at the Rubicon Brewing Company in 1988. Often made as a seasonal winter or a uh, – Sorry, a winter seasonal, a vintage, or a one-off release. Breweries frequently experiment with the style, leading to a very wide range of interpretations. Um, of these, the most common in the U.S. is probably the um, new. Uh, sorry, I want to call it New Belgium, but it's not. It's Blue Moon, and that is one of the versions that would be in the American wheat category. You know, saw it drinking alone. So you drinking alone. Just a beer in your heart. Wow. Alcohol in my soul. All right, sorry. So there we go. <laughs> Those are your wheat beer style. They are. And I think we are drinking some today. I just finished off mine, so we better get to it before I forget the taste, but whatever I'm about to drink now. Drink Don't worry, I'll remind friend. you because our first one was the same. I've graduated yeah. on, and if you saw what I was holding up to the camera, it's kind of, kind of thick and grainy. What I've moved I, on to, I had to stop. Some, some big floaters in there. Yeah, I took a big sip, and all of a sudden I, mean, I was like, uh, all I could think was like flaked wheat. I feel like I was drinking oatmeal. I may have wow. changed to, I may have changed to something else too, Chris. No, we went in the same vein. That would definitely you, uh, make you forget there, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Casey, yeah, that's what I was like. We, we should hurry. Yeah. Who? Okay, so. It's, it's like suspended. It's breakfast. Yeah. It's, it's suspended in there. It's, some, what, that last drink, something hit my, my mouth, and I was like, well, nope, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm done with this drink. Uh, like, I did not sign up for boba beer. Uh, so <laughs> the uh, the first one I had... I, I keep wanting to hold up the can, but I've got the blur thing on, so it's not gonna matter. But it's a uh, kind of an oldie but a goodie. Uh, Fatheads Brewery Goggle Fogger, which is the uh, oh. German style half of Weizen. Uh, I look. Seems like a slur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, it's five point four percent and uh, twelve IBUs, which is nothing. I, I don't understand why they even list that, honestly. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, light aromas of bubblegum, banana, and clove. That's about right. Uh, it's just a good beer, like a good Hefeweizen. Um, like anybody who's had a Hefeweizen before kind of knows what that's about. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a good go-to. Um, I really like most of what Fatheads does, so uh, I, I wanted to go that route when we went to find a wheat beer for this episode. Uh, and then afterward, I'll let you go into the next one. Or do you want to start with the one that you actually... I mean, I'll do my starter. Yeah, okay. Uh, was uh, Gumball Head from Three Floyds. Actually, like, if I... Why? How about that? I, too, had Gumball Head. Yeah. Uh, it's as though we have Three Floyds available to us. Hmm. And honestly, this, like, would... I decided oh, a long time ago, if I were to have a go-to beer, it would probably be Gumball Head. Mm. It's real good. It's fantastic. I forgot how good it was until I was drinking it today. I'm glad I bought a six pack. I'm wow. glad you did okay. too. I wish I had. Uh, <laughs> they did have six packs, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Gumball Head's great. I mean, it has as 
like it has a real bubblegum taste and so their description uh, an american wheat ale brewed with white wheat and dry hopped with hand selected hops from the yakima valley bright and refreshing with a lemony finish uh 5.6 abv so the lemony finish i wouldn't say it's not like a citrus lemony up front kind of thing it's more of like a lemon rind with bubble gum yeah. mm-hmm. that's really like the overall thing so that's, i think that's why i like it it's really dry and it, when you drink one and you put it down you're immediately like i need another it's it's crisp and it's crushable yeah and it like it sets you up for the next one which that is the be best part line. yeah like you when you hammer one down you're just like god i need another <laughs> that's just how it works i've gone through two cans wow if i had more I went cans, through two cans during this episode because i was just kind of like oh god i got poured another i was like Jesus, I just that's so good. And this next I mean, thing, this next beer I, I poured, not, not gonna not, not as crushable. So so yeah, that's two cans. I hammered that one down. I was like, what else do I have that has wheat? Because then I had to go look, and uh, it it kind of stopped the the drinking. So I dug in <laughs> and found uh, it was a, good until like just now a Bourbon County brand wheat wine ale. And usually every year there's a wheat wine. Uh, I think last year they may have missed and didn't do a wheat wine. They do a wheat wine or a barley wine every year. But anyway, this was the Bourbon County 2019 wheat wine ale aged in Larceny bourbon barrels. But it oh. tasted good. Like, it was a good taste. And then It was good until I started wearing it down. And then, then the texture happened. I started getting this mouthfeel <laughs> and texture, and I was just like... It, it, Lumpy. It was like there was... There were wheat flakes liquid. on my tongue, and it like suddenly the liquid was getting pretty thick, and I'm just like, "What is going on?" And then I've been holding it up to the camera every so often for you guys to see, just like the sheer mass of floaters. It is weedy flakes. They're like they barely move. They're just like gelatinous, suspended in there, and they got to the point where it looks like syrup. I could feel that's what it feels like it's, on um, my tongue, and I just had to stop. Yeah, I was like, nope. It tasted really good. Delicious it was nice and sweet. I, I mean, and it's as if you're drinking like pulpy orange juice, but imagine yeah. the pulp is like significantly pulpy. Thicker. Pulpy is the best descriptor in that. Like, <laughs> you have a glass of pulpy orange juice and you didn't know it was pulpy, and suddenly it hits your palate. Like, that's exactly what happened with that. <laughs> you know? Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Say, uh, Chris already there's hit. There's not a uh, description of that yeah. on of it on here. It's 15.3 percent ABV. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I I started. Me and you started the same way. <laughs> and ended roughly. <laughs> and then you were showing, and you were showing what you were drinking, and I went, "Oh, I still have a bottle of the, one of those that I've been trying to. I've been waiting to get rid of. <laughs> Tonight's tonight. Because mm. uh, I." There, I don't know if you heard, but there has been a global pandemic going on, and all the beer I was saving to share with people is just going to get drunk by myself. Yeah. yeah. I get to be sad, alone, and drunk. Uh, well, us too. I get to, we're, we're digitally together, so it counts. Uh, and I grabbed the Bourbon County uh, barrel aged uh, brand Moncherie Stout. Ooh. What? Stout aged in bourbon barrels with cherries, granola, oats. Brown sugar and 100% natural flavor added. I I traded mine of that off. I don't recall this. This it's good. 
And it's pretty tasty. Frightens me as it tends to do. It mm. it it doesn't have that Tussin flavor. Okay. It has like a natural cherry flavor. Compared, which is weird. Like I, I was waiting for Tussin. Yeah. As as one does. Uh, it's a rom com right there. No, it's a. Uh, um, oh, sh- never mind. I can't. I can't get the uh, author off the top of my head for who wrote "Waiting for Godot." That is going to be oh. waiting for Tussin. Uh, oh, hell. But yeah, no, it's a. Uh, it's very dark. I, I, it. It is not at all to style by that point. Gumball Head was to style, and go get Gumball Head. It's available. Drink it. You'll enjoy yeah, that, it. One uh, of the issues we had was when we were digging around. There were like three that we could find yeah there were like no wheat that beers. were well no there were wheat beers but they were all fruited oh that's true yeah there was a there was an oberon for sale at my my nearest liquor barn but it was a fruited oberon that was a month away from its sell-by date and i went you know what oh. you've been sitting in here in fluorescent lights every day for almost six months I'm going to pass. I'm going to get the cans inside that box over there of, of gumball head. That seems the best, best choice for me today. <laughs> uh, because, because I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of waiting for beer to get good. I'm just going to start drinking it now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey, this is not an attack on anyone else. This is literally just, I, I <laughs> my fridge is getting too full of things and I have to get rid I of them. I know that feeling. Yeah. Casey, what have you had? Uh, Yazoo. Um, I've got the Yazoo Hefeweizen. Um, won a gold at GABF back in the early 2000s, and then a bronze in the mid-teens, 20-teens. Did they so, get worse, or just everyone else get better? <laughs> I think everybody else got better. Um, and the palates of the judges is always... It always varies, What they yeah. feel like that month. Yeah. So... Um, there's there's uh, most of the beers that go to GABF are going to be good beers. It's just a matter of what the judges like that time, yeah. uh, which is good because that means you get some variety in life, mm-hmm. and so you can figure out some different things. But anyways, um, they were it was on one of the ones on tap today, and so I was able to just grab a growler of it and uh, bring it back with me instead of having to find something on the shelf. Uh, nice. No, it's fresh. Um, also slightly undercarbonated, but you know, that tis tis the way with with growler fills. Yeah, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of beer. <laughs> the facts of beer. But yeah, um, pretty good beer. All right. All right. Interesting episode. Uh, there we have it. Wheat beer. Everything you ever needed to know about wheat beer. And Casey messaged us. You'll never. Uh, while he was writing it, was like, hey, so I've got a lot. Um, <laughs> He's like, we can we can really sum it up and generalize this, or we can break it into like a 19-parter. He's like, because I really want to talk about... He's like, we could do a whole episode on just different kinds of wheat. Not wheat beers, just different kinds of wheat. Which, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean my that, response... That seems like it's our wheelhouse. My response was, we can milk this bad boy. I mean, we can... This can be multi-part. <laughs> that can be next yeah, we year. Didn't this even... year was Trappist. Next year can just be wheat. Wheat. Four episode series, um, and then we'll talk about beer. <laughs> yeah, we never got into uh, hard versus soft wheat um, and what they're used for. We never got into winter versus uh, summer wheat 
and and where or spring wheat and and where you you know basically planting it at different times of year. Casey, you're um, telling me there's a difference between weak and flaccid wheat and hard and erect and turgid wheat. I don't think there's any flaccid wheat, <laughs> but there is turgid wheat. <laughs> it's all turgid. <laughs> All right, we've all been twelve uh, years old that. for this. It's been a good, uh, good fun time. It's good to be back. Mm. Back again. Is. Back. We are back, refreshed. Tell a friend and eat Have it. Mom's back. spaghetti. <laughs> That's gonna fail. <laughs> Look, as an aside, the mom's spaghetti thing is gonna fail. It's too has big to, to be, fail, Chris. It has to be like a pop-up stunt. He's got to be getting ready to do something. And he's <laughs> like, "Look, I needed to remind people I exist." So here's the spaghetti <laughs> pop-up. He can't be like, oh, this is my retirement, for, is to open a chain. Okay. Had, no, no, no. He, hold on. For clarification, because no one else knows what we're talking about, Eminem has a restaurant called Mom Spaghetti. And has four right. things on the menu. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Spaghetti sandwiches. Mom's. Spaghetti with meatballs. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti with vegan meatballs. And spaghetti sandwiches. Maybe it's really it. good spaghetti. I feel like it's not. It it needs to be. <laughs> I don't know. If it's the only thing you sell, it needs to be really the good. Only, the only pictures of it are of him in the drive-thru giving somebody the finger. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know what? <laughs> After we watched the interview, I, Eminem can do whatever he wants. I don't I don't what like that guy's got a sense of humor doesn't take him so seriously and no like, no the thing is he developed well. he developed a sense of humor he took himself way too seriously true, for a true. lot of years and then finally he gave grew a El- sense of humor yeah that's true he gave elton john a diamond encrusted cock ring <laughs> i mean for elton john's wedding gift and I, to, to that i went well done. That was that was him trying to prove he wasn't homophobic because he got a lot of flack well, early so on he, for a lot of really homophobic he songs. Friends with El- he became friends with Elton John. He did. Like, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, life's weird, man. Elton John and Eminem are friends. Nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. <laughs> but then you have the thing on the interview where he's like, straight face. Like, just, I, I'm just like, yeah, good job. Do whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't care. All right, let's let's wrap this yeah. up. I think we're 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 in rambling. We'll go into Lord's become a rambling show. If you've made it this oh. far, you'll be interested in post show where we're getting into Ted Lasso potentially. So uh, that's for patrons. If you're not uh, not on the Twitch, yeah, you can catch that on the Patreon. So if you want to know our thoughts on Ted Lasso, okay. You have to watch the commercial for Mom's Spaghetti also. <laughs> God, <laughs> I'll put that up there. <laughs> Casey, we we have a closing ritual, and you have to start us. You have to subscribe and get some great resources <laughs> at haveadrinkshow.com. You can follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. Real? Sorry, now I kind of want to do it the 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 uh, the, the Gregorian monk style, like tell us your favorite drink ask a question or leave general feedback you can use the email address at email at have a drink show uh, sorry feedback at have a drink show.com uh or you can use the feedback page on the website uh or you know you know email us your gregorian chant uh and you know your question in the form of a gregorian chant we'll 
I would appreciate it very please much. Please do that. <laughs> All joking and monks aside, we like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Oh, dear. Okay. I was like, I don't have anything to hit myself in the face with. I was about to grab the keyboard to do it. There's always something to hit yourself in the face with. It's called your hands. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. And remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow and also uh, haveadrinkstore.com recently updated um, switching out basically summer stuff for some winter stuff. Uh, got hoodies on there now and sure is uh, coming. A, um, a face winter mask. Winter is gross. So, uh, if you are interested in that. Uh, once again, I am Brittany Lee Walker. And I'm Justin Prager. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. What was the shirt I recommended? Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs> Seriously, I'm drunk and can't remember.